CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I took on the special interest and political leaders who set the wrong agendas for far too long. Oh, not now, Brandon Johnson. We're trying to get the show going. <laughs> Brandon, how many times have we told you, don't interrupt the show, okay? <laughs> hey, everybody. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, November 8th, is brought to you by... SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. They talk about reefer and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R. A, V is in victory. S, K, Y. Your election day Benjarovsky show starts now. Yes, it is Tuesday, November eighth, election day, and this is the Benjarovsky show. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Don Bailey Tuesday, and here's why. Yes, yes, indeed, it is election day. You ask discerning listeners, how do I know that it's election day? Other than the fact that Dennis just said it. I know it's election day because I saw on the front page my beloved bright one. The Chicago Sun. I think I lost half the bright one. D. There was the paper was thicker than this thing. Anyway, the front page of my beloved bright one says the campaign is over. Now it's up to you, the voters, to decide. Oh, suddenly I'm really nervous and scared. We're putting it in the hands of voters. I think uh, the election should be determined by me. Yeah, that's how we'll do it. I'll just decide. Of course, I did such a bang-up job with the last mayoral election. I think I've lost voting privileges uh, forever for that one. Uh, All right. So it is Election Day. And as such, on Election Day, all the brightest minds in America come together. Well, maybe they don't come together, but they use whatever platforms they have to advise you, the voter, on how to vote. They're the smartest people that we have in our country. They're the people who take apart the issues and obsessively follow all the details of uh, how our government operates. And then based on that tremendous amount of knowledge, they make a recommendation as to how you, the voters, uh, should vote. And um, uh, I'm just laughing out loud right here about something text I get in the middle of my shows. Anyway. One of the smart uh, people out there who made a recommendation is uh, the Fraternal Order Police right here in the city of Chicago. Uh, Johnny Catanzara runs that outfit, and you know John Catanzara, the head of the Fraternal Order Police. As I like to point out, is the maggiest MAGA man in the city of Chicago, and he has earned that title. He's earned that title, ladies and gentlemen, by virtue of the fact that he can't help himself. He shows up in public places with a Donald Trump shirt on which is quite a commitment to Donald Trump in a city that voted, I believe, 
Don't quote me in this. I believe it's like 85% against Donald Trump. Anyway, John Catanzara and his uh, top aides at the Fraternal Order of Police in the city of Chicago have studied all the issues and all the candidates, and they've come out with some careful conclusions as to who you should vote for, some recommendations as to who you for vote for. And they have now recommended, I know this, thanks to Frank, Lister Frank sent me this, this tweet, which I verified. So it is from the Fraternal Order of Police. In the race for governor, they have endorsed Don Bailey. Now, <laughs> far be it for me to correct somebody uh, on making a mistake. <clears throat> Since by every day of my life, I make more mistakes, adding to the list. Uh, and many of my listeners love to correct me when I make mistakes, including this distinguished guest who's waiting on deck to come on. I, he's been known to correct me from time to time when I've made a mistake. But I do never believe I've made a mistake like getting the first name wrong of the person I'm endorsing for governor in one of the most contentious, heated elections of my lifetime. So, Johnny Catanzaro, I hope you're taking notes. Uh, no, 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 no. His name is not Don Bailey. His name is not F. Lee Bailey. His name is not Philip Bailey, who was the lead singer of Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I urge my distinguished guests at his next Christmas show uh, to sing Fantasy, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Perhaps my favorite Earth, Wind, and Fire show. I think my distinguished guest could handle that falsetto uh, if push came to shove. Uh, he is not Bailey Howe, the old basketball player that I think I'm the only one in America who remembers. He's not old Bailey, which is a courthouse in London, I believe. Uh, He's not Bailey the bourbon or Bailey the wrestler. In fact, I believe Bailey the wrestler is spelled different than Bailey the gubernatorial candidate. If my sources are correct, Bailey the wrestler is spelled B-A-Y-L-E-Y as opposed to B-A-I-L-E-Y. So he's none of those Baileys. Who is he? Darren Bailey. <laughs> Hey, come on, Johnny Catanzara. I'm working hard on. on this campaign. If I sit and get distracted and watch TV all day long, like oh, apparently man. Governor Pritzker does, I lose focus. Okay, that's the guy. That's the guy you're recommending. <laughs> that's who you're recommending. Now, voters out there, I'm going to be really fair to Johnny Catanzara, the head of the Order Police. Just because he got the name wrong of the guy he's recommending doesn't mean he's not an astute chronicler, thinker, philosopher, observer of government. No, no, no. I'm sure he's a brilliant, insightful man. He just stumbled over the name. Once again, one more time, Johnny Catanzara. It's Darren Bailey you're endorsing, not Don Bailey. I don't even know who Don Bailey is. For all I know, Darren Bailey's got a cousin in Framingham named Don Bailey. So you've just endorsed that guy. Just launched his political career. <clears throat> All right, without further ado, uh, now that I've done correcting uh, Johnny Catanzaro, I'm going to bring up my distinguished guest, the great Eric Zorn, uh, old friend of mine, coached my daughter, as I like to say, many, many years ago in basketball. He was a tyrannical coach. That's just an excuse to do my Darren Bailey imitation. Uh, he's also a guitar player, a singer. That's why I suggested he do a Philip Bailey show, a song at his next uh, concert. Uh, and for many, many years, he was a columnist at the Chicago Tribune until he said, I can't take another day of this place. No mas. And he left, uh, cashed out with, to an enormous fortune uh, when he's not day trading uh, and moving shares of Twitter and Tesla stock. Uh, he is publishing uh, 
the Picayune Sentinel. Uh, he is a, uh, I don't know, it's like, comes out three times a week, I want to say, uh, Eric Zorn. Uh, so uh, welcome back to the show, Eric Zorn. Is it three days a week? It's, Did I have that wrong? Yeah, it's two days a week. Uh, and you can call me Don. I mean, maybe that's Darren's <laughs> nickname, you know? But I, I think it's it's quite possible that the people who are truly intimate with him do call him Don. So yeah, it might not be a mistake at all. It might just be like an, an affection him. I could be affectionate, Don. His, his legal name is Darren, but the people who really know and love him call him Don. Just could yes. be. I'm putting that. I'm just putting that out there. All right, that's uh, that's a good. That maybe that is the case. Uh, in which case, I humbly apologize, Johnny Gattenzero. All right, so uh, Eric's been on my show uh, many times, and it's been a while, uh, and I've just been so busy and distracted. I meant to reach out to you uh, after your Darren Bailey column about anti-Semitism, uh, which really irritated me. We'll get to that. That's further down the list of things we have to talk about. And don't let's, uh, we also have to talk about Michael Moore. I'm writing uh, this down so I don't forget. Uh, and Elon Musk. But let's start with the hideout, which is uh, why I reached out to you. Uh, and Eric, with your permission, I will now read an email that you sent to me last Friday. Do I have your permission to read this email? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I published it in my Picayune Sentinel this morning. So, so go ahead. Okay. Uh, so here it goes. Ben, <clears throat> I will now try to read this dramatically like uh, Eric Zorn on stage. <laughs> I trust you. No, sorry. I, do that. I trust you as a journalist and a voice of reason and fairness. So I'm wondering about your take on the hideout situation and your decision to boycott the venue based on a couple of somewhat vague Instagram posts. The owners, and you know them way better than I do, have done a lot for the music community and the alt scene in Chicago over the years. And forcing them to shut down because of friction with one ex-employee seems way over the top. A form of mob justice, and justice is in quotes, administered without a fair inquiry into the facts, the other sides to the story. Your name has come up in a number of conversations I've had with people who are concerned about whether this outcome was fair and necessary. And since you evidently think that it was, I thought I'd ask you for your thoughts. You're a fan, easy, like Sunday morning. I just added the like Sunday morning. Every time Eric signs a uh, email to me with easy, just that's, that's where my brain goes, Eric. Um, so I'll respond. I was going to, I was too lazy to send you an email responding. So I just said, you know what? I, I, I have a vacancy on my show Tuesday. Why don't we just have this conversation on the mic? Uh, and you were so nice as to say yes. So I appreciate that. I take issue, Eric, with, uh, Two words, or is it two words in your post? Um, yes, uh, somewhat vague. Uh, your decision to boycott the venue based on a couple of somewhat vague Instagram posts. And uh, so let me just back up. This is probably, uh, even though this is a talk, topic of great concern uh, to a segment of the population in the city of Chicago, Eric, um, not sure. Absolutely. I've talked about it on the show a couple of times, but I don't know. Everybody knows it. the hideout uh, is a music venue on the near North side of Chicago. And uh, for eight years, uh, I hosted a show there first with McDumkey and now with Maya Duke Masafa called first Tuesdays, first Tuesday of every month. Uh, we would bring on a guest to talk politics. Uh, in fact, uh, Eric Zorn was once came to the show. I remember you sitting, it was a big deal for us when we saw you sitting uh, like, somewhere in the middle of the hideout, uh, listening to our show. And so, yes, uh, I made a decision, uh, and Maya, uh, made a decision. We made a decision jointly, uh, to take a time out 
I guess is the way of looking for our kind of a first Tuesday. Eric was sort of at a point where we were ready to take a time out. Anyway, uh, Maya is very much pregnant and baby could be born sometime at the end of December, early January. So there probably weren't going to be many shows uh, in the future. Anyway, we had one last left. And um, so this allegation came out from Mikel uh, DeVille, Michael DeVille, Mikel, I guess this is pronunciation. I apologize for mispronouncing. Uh, who I don't know, I may have met briefly, but he was the music director there, I guess. He arranged, he booked the acts. Uh, I My agreement was with Tim Tutton, who was the owner of the Highlighter, one of the uh, owners of the Hideout. Uh, and uh, in his Instagram post, he was very specific on three instances that I found troubling, Eric. One had to do with his allegation that he was spit on by a patron at the Hideout. Another one had to do with abusive behavior uh, in general, at the hideout, people yelling at each other. Uh, and then the third one, an abusive gas, uh, uh, performer who's abusive to him, like a, what, a res- residence artist, I believe they call him. Uh, and so when it was first brought to my attention, I hastily read the uh, Instagram post, Eric. I got to tell you, I didn't do a deep dive on it. So I had a, just a vague notion of what he was saying, and it just – didn't have a strong feeling one way or the other went by my life. And then Amaya uh, sent me the text. He goes, you got, did you read this? I go, well, kind of, she goes, well, read it. So I read it closely. And by then the, uh, uh, hideouts response had come. And like, he made these three accusations and their response, that was the vagueness. He was specific in his Instagram post. They were vague. And the response was like this corporate response. Like we really feel your pain. Uh, we understand you were hurt, but they didn't deal with like the things that I really cared about in uh, those accusations, which were the spitting. That was number one on the list. Well, and let me just interrupt you here, Ben, uh, the, uh, a customer spit on him and he doesn't, he doesn't really say like what happened? Like, I mean, that this kind of stuff happens in when you're working at a, at a bar. You got some kind of stuff going on. It's it's bad that the customer spit on him. But what did he want them to do? What did they not do? Because the thing, I, I would put the same question to you about this. He alleges that they were they, that there was there was, I know there was vandalism, uh, anti-Semitic vandalism at the hideout. And all he says in his post is they were slow to respond. Wait, hold on. What Let does me that back. mean? Let me go what back. Do, to I that. mean. Me, and the thing is, I mean, I, I just want to get back to my why I'm saying this is vague is, you know, he talks about, well, somebody, some one of the res, artists and residents yelled at him and cursed him out. Uh, but why? Well, I mean, okay. this happens, Time out. happens Time in out. these, in these oh, wait, no, 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 no. These things happen when you're working in a bar with musicians whose livelihoods on the line, tempers get high. I mean, this happens, you know, this, and it's like, and so I understand this, but, the, but you guys characterize this, Maya characterized it, maybe it was you, I don't know, in your, on your Facebook page as an abusive workplace. Wait, time out, and Eric. I didn't even get a chance to finish my response <laughs> to your email. You cut me off on my All own right. show. It's your own I mean, show. It's unbelievable. Even if it was ahead. on I'm... your show, this kind of proves the point. I will hang up. I could even finish where I was going. And you I cut me off. That's I unbelievable. Will, that's, I, will, I would I will, say that's the trouble with America right now. You didn't even take the moment to listen to work. Because maybe where I was going, you would go, oh, my God, Ben, that's the most brilliant thing I've ever heard. You've totally changed my mind. I want to rewrite everything. No, you just cut me off. I've uh, learned my debating You haven't I've learned, learned my, anything, I've learned my debating techniques from Darren Bailey, or Don, yeah. as I call him. 
See, this is not a debate on Channel 9 where the poor moderator is going, but, but, but. This is civilized debate, Eric. Yeah, so I will my, finish. Where's Mike Matera? Where's Mike Matera when you need her? Shut me up. Unbelievable. Off. All right. So what I was about to say was one person was specific with his charges. The other person was not specific. They were vague. So I had a problem with you talking about vagueness when the person being vague were the hideout. Mikhail wasn't vague. He was specific. Now, you asked what I think should have done about the spitting, and this is probably where you and I will disagree. But I'll tell you what I think should have been done about the spitting. I think the person who did the spitting, if they knew it was true, should have been banned for life from the hideout. And I'll tell you why I say this, Eric. I'm a big sports fan. You're kind of a sports fan, but you understand what I'm about to go. If you spit on a player at the United Center, you are banned for life. They take away your tickets. If you spit on an usher at the United Center, that's where the Bulls play, at the United Center, I'm a Bulls fan, I go to a lot of Bulls games. If you're abusive anyway, they will remove you and they will take away your privileges. They say that, Eric. It, when you go to the Bulls games, they tell you that. And so I'm like, wait, this dude spit on him and nothing happened? I need to know. I need to know. I need to know. Is that true? A. Is it true that someone spit on him? And B. Did nothing happen? If that's the case, I'm not bringing people to the hideout. When I have a show at the hideout, I'm inviting people. Come to the hideout. You'll be treated well. It's assumed that if someone spits on you, there will be accountability for it. I'm not saying come to the hideout. Let people spit on you because that's just the way of the world. People spit on each other. Oh well. No, I believe that the hideout should follow sort of the same practices like the United Center. I just, uh, I, I assume other venues are that way too. The, one, the only one I really know is the United Center because it's pretty much uh, the only venue I go to these days. So it was not in the, in the uh, with the hideout's vague response to that very direct accusation, Eric, uh, Maya and I felt it's like this is not a place we wanted to invite people to at the moment. And then the hideout also issued a statement that they were going to take some time off to reflect and think. So I thought, all right, it's just a good time for all of us to reflect and think. So that is my uh, position. Now you can respond. Now I'll go. Okay. The spitting incident. Did you, did you ask the Tuttons directly? You had a long relationship with Tim. Um, did you just like call him or write to him and say, what's the deal with the spitting incident? What happened here? What did you do? Didn't they say all, all, uh, um, Mikel says is they didn't support him. I don't know what that means. And I don't know what they knew, whether this actually happened. I mean, you know, one of the time you're a journalist and this is why I was on your case on this, which is like, it's kind of up to you. If you're going to take an action based on this, if you're going to post on your Facebook page that this was an abusive workplace, it seems like you want you might want to take at least a couple of steps to verify what's going on. Say like, did this happen? What did you do? Because Mikel doesn't say he doesn't say when he when he got yelled at and cursed at by an artist in residence. Why did this happen? What were the circumstances? Who did he complain to? Uh, and did he ever? Did anyone reach out? Did anyone try to find out who this guy was? Who the who the uh, performer was who cursed at him? And isn't this the kind of thing that happens? Yelling and cursing at each other in a bar 
between musicians whose livelihood is on, on the line and in the, uh, if, if, if say something, I mean, we, we've certainly seen allegations that there were some double bookings that he was saying that he was overworked there, that maybe there was something that really went wrong and that was really his fault and that he maybe deserved to get yelled at. And maybe the guy swore because that's what people do. And, and to say that this is an abusive workplace. I don't know. I, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how you, post to your Facebook wall that this is an abusive workplace. Those are your words or the words on your Facebook wall. Well, I didn't post those words. Somebody, those okay, are my well, where's words. The, but where's, how, the, where's the due diligence? Where's the journalist in you who wants to know what really happened? Because the facts matter here. And well, you know, and the Suns have had this nightclub for 25 years. They've brought in all kinds of acts like yours, like all kinds of small musical acts. They have hosted my wife's organization there, my wife's former organization, Third Coast. They have the, the, um, <clears throat> the vegetable bingo there. I mean, that is a that is a good Chicago institution. And this boycott, this forcing them to close essentially for two months may end up causing them to sell it to the Lincoln Yards pirates who are going to just knock it down and put a Starbucks up or something. I mean, this is why I don't understand. This seems like such an overreaction to a couple of complaints and then inferences that Mikel puts on Instagram. And well, that's why I would think that you, you would want to know. You would want to find out what really happened here, not based on some Instagram post. And you know that the reason that the Tuttons probably didn't respond vigorously is their lawyers probably told them, don't fight in public with this guy. Don't like go tit for tat with him because you could get end up with a defamation suit. That's what any lawyer would tell you. And Mikel is not, talking to the media anymore. He's not answering the questions that I would like to know. Like what happened with this guy who cursed you out? What, what was the, what were the circumstances there? And is that so outrageous in the kind of setting we're talking about? He accuses the Tottens of setting him up to fail. Do you believe that? Do you believe that they hired him? They set him up to fail. That's what he accuses them of. And, and yeah, it sounds like it's a, it's not a great workplace. It sounds like there's a lot of friction there, but, but did, did they set him up to fail in a way that, Previous program directors were not set up to fail. Was he treated any differently than any previous program directors? And that's certainly the inference that he gives. That's what I'd like to know. I don't know the answers to these things, but it seems like you feel that you do. Okay, time out. So you're talking about two separate things. You're talking about a journalist independent with no connection whatsoever. Quote, unquote, the definition of objective, doing a deep dive analysis. Now, I wouldn't even say you fit that one because you have such strong feelings that you wrote a sentence in which you liken a very specific Instagram post to an intentionally vague one. Your words, not mine. You said they were intentionally vague under the advisement of their lawyer. So you already showed a bias, Eric Zorn, when you say one, two vague Instagram posts. I'm like, what was very specific, Eric? And one was vague. So wait, 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 wait. I let you talk. You okay, okay, you did. You did. I, here's what you got to do. You got to learn how to listen, okay? That's a very <laughs> okay. important thing to learn in life, Eric. You got to learn how to listen, okay? So um, I, you and I are just going to have a fundamental disagreement on something here. And it's fine. We can disagree on things. I think allowing spitting to occur, allowing people to yell and be abusive to coworkers is a definition of a work, an abusive workplace that's dysfunctional and should be changed. That's not tolerant. You should not tolerate that. That's not acceptable behavior, particularly now we're on the edge in so many ways with society. I'll go back to the United center. 
That's why they have these policies. In fact, I urge you to watch it. Uh, it's a sports documentary, but I urge you to watch it anyway. It's called Malice in the Palace. It's about the 2004 fight that broke out in uh uh, in Auburn Hills with the Pistons and the Pacers. I urge you to watch it. It's on Netflix. Very interesting uh, documentary. But it talks about a time when the NBA was not doing a very good job, to put it mildly, of what? Just sort of making sure their venues were, people were playing by certain rules of decorum. And a uh, uh and the way they treated the fans, allowed the fans great latitude. I believe the NBA has made important amends. I think that uh, nightclubs in Chicago should do the same. They should not have a workplace where such things are just accepted, apparently. All right? Now, uh, if you want to do a journalistic deep dive on why the hideout chose to fire him and whether his allegations are warranted, that's something else. I'm talking about bringing people to a show where there's no accountability for abusive behavior. That was a decision that my and I had to make. And I didn't take it uh, lightly. I was like, I'm not bringing people to this. I'm like, I'm not inviting people to this place where they could be spit on or someone could yell at them. And how so, you, okay, okay. I, I how do I that. know? He said it. They didn't deny it. I mean, well, I don't buy your line. I don't buy the line, by the way, that uh, that they follow lawyers' orders. I believe if someone makes an accusation against you, like if someone says, if they said that about you, I would say no, it didn't happen. We we did no one. He never was spit on. That was I was what I was looking for. Was he spit well, on? This happened. This you, okay. Okay. Ben, do you like, believe he was this, spit on? This, I believe he was spit on. Do you? I, I actually, I actually do believe he was spit on. I don't know that I would take. And you still would invite people. Well, you would still do your show. I would say they spit on yes. the guy. And okay. Well, okay, you know about one person spitting on one other person in twenty-five years at the hideout, and and you don't even know how management reacted because all all he said was they didn't support him. Maybe they kicked the guy out. Maybe he thought the guy should be banned for life, and they just kicked him out for the day. Maybe they suspended him for a month. Well, you that, don't know, and, and you could have called because you know those people, Ben. You know Tutton. You can call them and say, what really happened here? But instead, you just say, okay, we're out of here. We're just going to take this guy's word. And and the fact is that if you had just heard about this as an isolated incident, if you heard it, you know, somebody spit on one of the, one of the uh, door guys at the hideout, and, and they kicked him out, they didn't ban him for life, you wouldn't have suspended your show. This whole thing is in a much broader context. And, the, and the, this is why the Tuttons are probably, they're not talking to people either. They're putting out these vague statements saying they, they'll do the work. Now let's, let me just assume, let me just say that, okay, let's say this did happen and that they didn't kick the guy out or they didn't see it. And they didn't, they was like, he said, she said, or whatever. I don't know. But you've got this situation where the, even the Tuttons seem to acknowledge that there were some, there's some harsh things. And I've certainly heard, I, and you know, not from anybody on the record, but I've certainly heard that, that they're not the greatest people to work for. Maybe that that place is a little bit dysfunctional. You've been there a lot more than I have. You would know, but let's, let's, let's stipulate that there was some friction there and there's some misunderstandings perhaps. Um, and even some mismanagement, they, the Tuttons came out with a statement pretty quickly saying, 
we hear this. We want to. We want, we're looking for some restorative justice. We want to talk about this. They sit. You know, they made the effort to say that we we are willing to sit down. We're willing to talk about this, work through it, mediate it, come to some compromise. But instead, that's not good enough. That's not good enough for you. It's not good enough for for Liam Kazar. It's not good enough for anybody. They say no. It's not good enough. And, and I've seen all the posts on on Facebook and I'm sorry, on Instagram, where people are saying, you know, this is weak. This is vague. You can't. This is not adequate. You know, you guys suck. And I just think that, that looking at the hit the track record of this institution for 25 years to say it all goes down the toilet because one guy got spit on. I think you sit down and you figure out what happened and you say, look, we apologize for this. This this. we made mistakes. We're going to reform our management style. But the fact is that this that this effort that is going on right now imperils the future of of, of a valuable Chicago institution. And you'll vouch for how valuable it is. It support it supported you for eight years. It supported a lot of bands. It supported a lot of institutions. And the fact that it might go under because people immediately decide that this that they hired him because he was black and that they were going to, I don't know. I mean, his whole, his whole line about how he was, he was just a token. They were going to use him and abuse him and kick him out. And I don't know. I just feel like there wasn't enough due diligence as to what really happened here. And I think what really happened is important, no matter what the Chicago reader says, which is they're saying it doesn't matter what happened. It just matters what, what Mikel felt. And I don't buy that. I'm a journalist. You're a journalist, but people feel it's not important. What actually happened is important. Uh, and that's where that's where and that's where I take issue with you on this, which is I feel like you're you're someone people look to, and that's why people brought you up to me so often. Which is like hey, well, Ben Jurasky's leaving, and he you know he must know. And I said, well, okay, that's why I wrote to you. I said, Ben, what do you know here that I don't know that I read in these I read these stories in New City and the Tribune, and sometimes they say like like uh, you know all these allegations, but no, nobody seems to have any done any done any research on this or reporting on it. That was you know I mean and, and I haven't done it either, but I'm that's why I'm asking. All right, so let's just boil it down to this. We were a huge disagreement between uh, Eric and myself. Again, an allegation was made. No one refuted it. I assume, therefore, it happened. You are now, for the sake of this argument, assuming for an action. You're essentially saying you're condoning it. You're saying that's acceptable behavior in your line, and you would continue to perform there if nothing were to happen. I'm saying that's unacceptable. We have two different standards, Eric, of what when we bring people to our house and there's a party and someone spits on someone, the Eric Zorn standard is, oh, it's okay. Come on, the guy just spit at you. Someone yells him, come on, man it up. He's just yelling at you. That's how we treat everybody at the Eric Zorn house. I mean, we have different standards, Eric. You and I, I guess we just have to agree to disagree. We have different standards. I think it's unacceptable behavior to have an employee spat on by a patron and nothing done. And if that's not the case, they should have come right out and said it. He doesn't doesn't say nothing was done. He said said that they didn't support him. I don't know what that means. I mean, you think you know what it means. They they, they said, oh, come on in. You just spit on him. We don't like him. You can come on in. Maybe that's not what happened. You didn't call Tim Tutton to ask him. Well, you know, I didn't. I mean, it's like if you if you heard somebody on spit on at a party at my house, I would hope that you would call me first and say, "What happened? I heard somebody spit on you." I'd say, "No, it was a, somebody get a spit take because one of my jokes was so funny." I, I don't know. It's like uh, you, you, it's not, I really you got, got it. You know, I mean, and and, the, and again, I think the stakes are high here with the hideout. It's and and I and I hope you agree that the hideout is an important institution and that we shouldn't lightly say, "Well, okay, there was this one incident between an employee and a customer that." somehow was not resolved to the employee's satisfaction. I'd like to know more. You don't want to know more. That's the difference between us. That's the difference yeah. of opinion. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> and you, you, and you took it, and you acted on it, and I didn't act on it. You acted yes, on it, and you didn't yeah, you want to know more. You didn't want to know more. Come on, Ben. You ought to. You, you got to know well, more before you act on that. You can't. Uh, you can't. You can't sign off on a Facebook post saying it's an abusive workplace when you don't know. First of all. I do believe spitting at someone is abusive. I do believe yelling at someone is abusive. Again, we have different standards. The Eric Zorn standard, it's okay to spit at someone and abuse them. I, I'm, listen, Eric, I'm open-minded. That's your view of the world, okay? You think it's okay to spit on people. That's where you began, all right? The Eric Zorn, I'm not going to your Christmas show this year. You're spitting on people. Good God, you walk in. I can't believe your partner, Mary Smith, would, would spit on people, but maybe you do. You've this moved on this is how negative this is. You should make a negative commercial. I mean, use, use one of De- just use like Dennis's, spit on people. Dennis is really his low voice, you know, Eric Zorn. Eric Zorn spits on people. So we disagree on that, that fundamental point. Okay. Uh, and I did, I, I really don't want to get like into the weeds with uh, Tim Tutton and myself. It's a bit of long. I mean, you keep forcing me. You're like, it's, dogged, determined prosecutor. I'm on the stand getting cross-examined. Oh my God, I feel like I'm breaking. I did it. I did it. It was me, Eric Zarn, cross-examining me. But the fact is, uh, I did re- reach out to them. I sent them an email and they were very, I guess, nice in their response to me. Uh, but on the other hand, they provided no, absolutely no details. And we'll leave it at that. And um, so it was clear they weren't going to offer any details. And uh, I had a decision to make. And, uh, and Maya and I had a decision to make, I should say, partners in crime. Uh, and uh, we decided to move uh, to another venue. I don't even know what the future of First Tuesdays is, much less the hideout. Uh, because as I said, Maya is about to give birth, so we don't know where we're going to be, if we're going to be anywhere. But I just could not at that moment, with that non-denial, denial, vague thing that they issued, invite people to the hideout. That's where I am on it. We, you and I, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. We have different standards. And I'll say this about the uh, you saying it's the end of the hideout, like there's, there's blood in your hands, Ben. If they go downhill, you would have done to them what Sterling Bay couldn't do. I'm Eric Zorn. <laughs> Hey, wait, you're, you're cutting my negative commercial now. I'd like, I'd like Dennis to do that voice, please. <laughs> I'm Ben Jarofsky, killed the hideout. Eric Zorn here. I'm going to say this about that. I don't think this is the end of the hideout unless the hideout wants it to be the end. I think actually all you quote-unquote defenders of the hideout, including you, Eric, are doing them no favor. It's like every time it's like it, the hideout, obviously recognized that there were some problems and there's some issues that they had and they took a timeout as they say, and they're doing timeout. I presume I'm going to take them at face value with those vague statements that they made to do reflection and do study. And now Eric, you have gone through life. You are a very lucky man. You have gone through life. I think you're what? 53 years old. You have gone through your 53 years of existence and you have never made a mistake in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Zorn, the man never made a mistake. Okay, he never made a mistake in his life. So he has never had to take a moment to time out and reflect and think, what could I do different differently? And particularly in the issue of race. Well, particularly in the issue of race, Eric Zorn has never made a mistake and he has never had to pause and reflect and do what what I do. Take those long walks and think, how can I be a better person with my life? Uh Uh-uh. I know the facts, and these are the facts. Damn it! No, <laughs> then, ahead, then you're, you're you're misreading what I'm saying. Is I say I don't know the facts here. I am not necessarily sticking up for the hideout. I'm sticking up for a process here. I'm sticking up for this this Queen of Hearts justice, this sentence first and verdict afterwards approach that so many people in the community seem to be taking, which is like 
let's find out what really happened. I'm not sticking up. I don't know. I don't know Tim Tutton. You know him. I don't know him very well. I had drinks with him once. I, I feel like. Did he spit at you? He, he did not spit at did me. You, actually, I'm more worried about the other way. We just learned about Eric Zormday. Spitting's okay if you do it the right way. Okay. I Eric may have been, Zorn. I may have been t- talking volubly like I am now, and, and spittle may have flown. It's quite possible. But look, I, I, I am not taking the hideout side of this. I am taking the side of, of inquiry, of facts, of finding out what happened before everybody leaps to conclusions. Have I made mistakes in my life? Of course I have. Do I feel like the, that I deserve this incredible this incredible punishment without any chance of talking to people about it, without any sense of, of remediation or of context? The fact is that this, this, this institution has been around 25 years. It has built up some great capital. I think you can agree with that. And that, and that so to automatically assume that they cynically hire this guy, set him up to fail, to prove some point, I don't know what, uh, and that after he's fired, what is it, eight, nine months later, he puts this Instagram post out, and so suddenly everybody's got to walk out the door, and the place has to shut down while they do what? What is it that you want them to do exactly? Spend two months reflecting on how racist they are? Because the implication of this post is that they are racists. And, wow, that, and see, Isn't it? Okay, I'll let, wait, I, I'm sorry. I just did to you what you did to me, so I should sit back and allow you. Have you finished, Eric? Uh, <laughs> You're not going to get that from me, Ben. I'm never going to interrupt you. Go ahead. Have you finished, Eric? Oh, no, that's always dangerous because then five minutes later, all right, enough. So let me say this. And um, the hideout is the one who said they wanted to take some time off and reflect. The hideout was the one who said they were going to do an independent study. And I, this is my point. All you guys who say now you're, you've shifted from like denouncing the mob, which is what you put in the email uh, to I am just an objective observer. I want the truth. <laughs> you've gone from one thing to the other. And I, I have I, 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 more interested in reflecting on what they did than you are. And they, you're working from a very cynical assumption, I think, you can't, that there is you, you no can't, such thing as a legitimate gripe that a black person has against a white institution, that it's all just some kind of game that they're playing and that more innocent white people will be punished. And that's a very, I hate to say it, Maggie and concept. I don't believe you really think that, but I believe this really bizarre and twisted debate we've had in our country over quote unquote woke has forced a lot of people to go to a, a sleep. And we, that's a whole, I guess we, that's an avenue. As soon as I said it, I could see us going down a path, but I don't know if we want to go down that path. There's a lot of other things to talk about, but I just, I applaud the hideout for taking time to think. I believe that they should take serious the uh, the points that Mikkel made. Because let me just say this. The Hideout, this is my show at The Hideout. I had a political talk show. And generally, more often than not, the only black people in The Hideout when we did our show were the people on the stage on that I had invited as my guests to talk about politics of the day, which included discussions of criminal justice, racial politics, et cetera. This is such a segregated city. It's been that way forever. 
It's what I encountered, Eric, when I moved here in Chicago in 1981. It blew my mind when the city had the same reaction that, that the white people of the city had the reaction to Harold Washington that they did. And it's like every step of the way, it seems like Chicago is determined never to reflect white Chicago, never to reflect, never to think. If you're asked in any way to think about the segregation in this city, about the ongoing cries of injustice one way or another that have come from black Chicagoans, then they, they say, what do they say about you in Chicago? You're weak. You're a do-good liberal. You're wishy-washy. And now it's woke mob. They change the rhetoric from year to year. They change the language from year to year. But the same thing is basically the same. We don't want to think at all about why it is that this city is so segregated. That why it is a political talk show on the north side of Chicago, which has black people on the panel, would have nothing but white people in the audience. And I think that Mikkel's Instagram post was an opportunity for everybody at the hideout community just to think a little bit about racism, segregation in the city of Chicago. What is so wrong with that, Eric Zorn? Nothing is wrong with that. And I think people should think about that. And I think you're exactly right, except that you're essentially asking the hideout to pay the price for this citywide phenomenon that you put your finger on. And you're, you're, you are assuming that the, that the people in the hideout once informed of this, of this complaint from someone who was fired in the spring and suddenly in October, he writes this post and the, all of a sudden that they want two months off to think about this. You think they weren't, their hand wasn't forced that they actually said, Oh, we, we heard this. And so we are voluntarily going to shut down. They shut down because people like you and, and all these other entertainers pulled out because they believed the, everything that was said and they took at face value. The fact that the, that the Tuttons were, and again, to quote your, your uh, Facebook page, which was an abusive workplace and bars are rough places. I don't know that he was treated any differently than any other producer was there. I'm perfectly willing to listen. I'm sure they're perfectly willing to listen. This was an opportunity for some mediation, for some conversation, for yes, some reflection and some thinking about this, but you can do that and still run a nightclub. Oh, right, you don't goodness. have to. Don't you? Don't you think? I mean, you know, it's like you think. You think that they voluntarily shut down, you, and you think that they haven't lawyered up. You think they're not being told by their by their advisors, their attorneys, don't say anything about this, don't engage with him in these fights, because I think they are, and I think you could call them and you could talk to them off the record, and that's probably what they would tell you. I mean, why would they then sit there and not address any of these allegations? They could have at least explained a little bit, but they didn't. And that you know what the funny thing there's something is, you got to know about that. You, you started off by saying, yes, you're right. We have this long history of segregation and nobody ever talks about it. Never everybody has honest dialogue, except in this case, they shouldn't have to have any honest dialogue and reflect. No reflection. I didn't say that. No, I no said reflection. They should I did not say that. I said they should not have to shut down for two months and imperil their business to have this conversation, this reflection. You can do both. They can Eric, have a conversation. They won't even talk about it. You can't have well, it two ways. You can't say, you can't say, oh, they have to lawyer up because they're following the advice of their lawyer. What are they afraid? Of? I mean, like, sometimes what they, you don't, you know, wait, time out, Eric. Sometimes you don't follow the advice of your lawyer for whatever reason. If you were falsely accused of something, you should say I was falsely accused of something. If your lawyer is advising you not to say anything after a false accusation that he's imperiling you. And so attention. you can't you're have it two ways. What, you're, you're not paying attention to what's going on all over the country when people are accused of these things. Uh, that it's, it's, it's much smarter not to say anything because when you engage in these public fights, there's no winning them. 
I thought that their initial statement was was fairly gracious. It was open to dialogue. It was open to conversation. Yeah, they didn't go tit for tat with him about every little incident. Because if they say, "Oh, you know what happened at this when he, when he got yelled at by this by this entertainer," well, because he had failed to do X, Y, and Z, then suddenly you're in all kinds of trouble with you know possible defamation. You've got all kinds of employment law you're dealing with. I'll bet you anything that when this story comes out, the Tuttons will tell you that they were advised by their legal advisors to shut the hell up about some of this stuff and, and let it play out. And that, and that those, and, and people have said that those statements re- read like they were written by a lawyer, written by a PR firm. They almost certainly were uh, written by people who were telling them like, this is how you're going to have to calm this situation down. It never works, but All that's right. what they were trying to do. So that, uh, that, that's where we are on this. I, and, and for the record, I do not condone spitting on someone. I don't know what happened there. He, and I, and uh, you know, Mikel is not giving all the details. He's not talking about why he got yelled at. He's not talking about what previous producers there at, at this at the hideout, what kind of support they were given. He was asking for extra support. Did the previous producers get extra support? Is does his successor have extra support? I'm not denying that it was a dysfunctional workplace. I'm not denying that there's racism in Chicago. I'm just saying that I don't think that shutting the hideout down over this over these allegations, over this Instagram post was the just thing to do, the fair thing to do. And if someone tried to shut down your podcast over some accusation that somebody spit on somebody metaphorically or whatever, uh, I think you would see what I'm talking about when I'm talking about If someone accused me of spitting on someone, I would either say, you're right, I did it, I'm sorry, and I humbly apologize, I'm going to go deal with my anger management issues. Or I'd say, that is the biggest made-up lie I've ever heard in my life. And no lawyer in the world could deter me from the latter. I'm but telling ben, you that, Eric Thorne. Eric, ben, you, you don't even know. You, I mean, you, from that Instagram post, you don't know, was the guy, was the person who spit, was he ejected? Was he allowed to go in? Was did nobody see this? Was there, a, did, did somebody push somebody for You'd have no idea what really happened there. I'd like to know. Well, you they're like not telling. The people, if they want me Maybe or they you, don't even know. Well, Maybe you already said bars are rough places, so you already say that you tolerate spitting and abusive behavior. So we'll put <laughs> that aside. Tolerate. I have a higher standard than you. One more time. I do not. I, do I, not I would. The last could not, time, Ben, I do not tolerate spitting on people. I'm, that's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying you said what bars I don't, are rough places. You said no. That. What I do, they are. They are. People yell and swear, and they and they get into fights. And this happens. Well, they should. Bars, if somebody gets into a fight at a bar, you should not allow that person back to the bar. Well, maybe they didn't allow this person back. Maybe they, I don't well, they should you say know it. what happened. Well, maybe you keep saying they're vague on details. We'll close it with the, where we began it. One guy gave details. The other guy didn't. Now you're saying, well, they, they don't have, they should just reflect in private without offering any details as to what they're reflecting on. Cause their lawyers have advised them. I'm just well, saying, no, I'm, I'm making it a piece. They're inviting dialogue here. And and when we say like, okay, for instance, this this instance like they didn't respond quickly enough to the graffiti. What does that mean? Like wh- how quickly? What did they what did they do? What didn't they do? What was the timeline? Why does that affect what he, why is he griping about this what a year later? I, I just like I feel like the, the basic sense of fairness demands an inquiry. That's my point here. I'm you know, you're, you want to make this about spitting. It's not about spitting, it's about fairness, it's about truth, it's about journalism, it's about the failure of our journalistic community, especially the Chicago reader, not finding out what happened here instead of running the crap that they ran about, well, there are, there are not two sides here. Well, there are two sides here. My side says 
you got to have a fair inquiry. you got to look for what actually happened. And the other side says, no, his fee- and this is what, what the editor and the reader wrote, that, uh, that his feelings, that, the, that he felt that he was abused, he felt that this was, a, that this was a directed at him because he was black, that that's all that matters. He perceived the racism, therefore it happened, therefore we don't have to conduct any inquiry. To me, it's about fairness. To me, it is about standards of truth. It's about justice in the, in the civic sense. And that's what it's about. It's not about these little incidents. It's about finding out what happened before you decide to shut somebody's business down, which is what happened. They didn't decide on they their didn't. own to take two months off. They did, They had to, they were, their hand was forced. They were going to, they were going to get picketed. They were going to not have anybody showing up at their show because People like you, Ben, decided that they had to pull out because it wasn't a safe place because one person in 25 years got spit on. Wow. Eric, spit on him, Soren. I stand by my decision. In fact, your argument makes me even bolder in that decision. Such a lame argument. I can't believe it. First, you say you you, you oppose spitting, and then you say, well, it's okay to keep the bar going if they do spit. I'll put it to you this way. Uh, you keep coming back to so many few details. The only details provided again were by Mikhail. I'm not going to just keep repeating the things we keep saying. Uh, you've made your point clear, but you're thinking like Eric Zorn, a commas who wants to write a comma about it. I'm thinking like Ben, a host of a show that I'm bringing into it. And I certainly hope that if you ever own a bar, you will have higher standards of behavior and accountability. And you will reassure people when they guests in your show, when they come to you and say, did this happen? That no, it didn't happen. And that they would vigorously police it. Now that, that is just the issue that made me uh, and Maya make our decision. And I don't want to go into the further details of my relationships with Tim Tutton that I just want to stay out of, but I will defend my beloved Chicago reader. I did not write the stories that you're alluding to. Uh, I think you're uh, Philip Montoro and Lior Galil. I think you uh, alluded to Lior, I think, at one point. And I maybe should bring you and Philip on to have a debate although about what he had to say. Uh, but I didn't read it exactly the way you said it. What happened to the Chicago reader that, that, uh, that I love, the one that would do a 3,000 word deep dive into a controversy rather than a, a little column by somebody who admits that he's, you know, uh, Mikhail's friend. And then well, he says, well, I was doing a story and then he asked me not to, so I'm not going to do it. And instead I'm going to talk about how bad the hideout is. And then the editor comes on and says, it doesn't really matter what happened here. What matters is how Mikhail feels. And that's bullshit when it's when you're talking about journalism. It's the Chicago reader. It's the, it's the paper that used to take a really hard look at these things. Now, why don't you write a column about it and, and talk about why you did what you did? I'd like to read that. I'd well, like I've to read someone who's interested already, in finding out what happened here. I've, I've already know? given like four things on, on this show, why I did what I did. And I said it when uh, – when when my and I were in the show promoting the Nighthawk uh, venture. And uh, so, listen, Lior and made his own decision on a personal level. Sometimes you're too close to a story to write about a story. And he apparently felt he was too close to a story to write about it. Then don't the write point, about it. Don't write well, about people it. Are, too close to it. Well, he had to write about why he wasn't writing about it. I think that's no, valid. He didn't. No, he didn't. Are you going to write about why you're not writing about it? Uh, well, there, there's been instances where I've actually, oh, 
I, I remember you were you wanted me to give you uh, quotes about the readers' fight with Leonard Goodman. I go, I'm I way too close to that. I'm not talking about it. I'm not writing about it. Remember that one, Eric? I remember do. Like, I do. Oh, ben, what about this? And I'm like, I'm not telling you about it because I'm way too close to it. And it's a valid excuse. I don't think reporters should be forced to do stories that they're too close to. Uh, um, I just don't believe that. I don't believe reporters should be forced to do stories, period. That's a whole other issue. Uh, but I definitely don't believe they should be forced to do stories uh, when they're too uh, close uh, to the stories. And I also think Philip was calling for something that you think is utterly worthless. And that is just sort of a general reconciliation of the city of Chicago. The fact we're in one of the most segregated cities in the world. And when any black person makes an accusation that it's like a hundred white people, Start talking about woke. I'm surprised you haven't raised Jesse Smollett's name yet, Eric. I'm waiting for that. It's just like the city of Chicago never wants to acknowledge that there's a possibility, a possibility that we may have uh, be a segregated city with horrific race relations. Never. We don't want to. We never want to address that. We don't want to think about it. It's shoved aside. And so I think that. Uh, Again, I'll repeat, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the hideout taking a break, whether they're forced to or not, reflecting, coming back stronger than ever, if that's what they choose to do. Absolutely. And uh, if that's how this works, it'll, it'll be a great thing. And you could be the opening act uh, of the hideout. You could bring your guitar. Uh, I think you also played a banjo. And you could say on the stage that I, Eric Zorn, will not condone any spitting that happens in the hideout. Are you willing to do that, Eric? Despite despite what Ben Jarowski keeps misrepresenting my my position on spitting, I, I will take a firm anti-spitting position. Yes, absolutely. No, I mean, and, but the thing is that you, Ben, you're going to have to be among the voices that is that is going to lead the hideout back. You're going to have to be the one who says, like, I believe that this has uh, this reconciliation has happened, that this thinking has happened, that this accommodation, this recognition of what's going on in the city of Chicago and how it's reflected at the hideout has improved things and that we can go forward holding hands together because it's, it's not like you can say like, okay, well, we're just going to take two months off and come back. That's why I think this place, the institution is in trouble because what do you, what's, what's going to happen in two months? If everyone says like, you've got to come and throw yourself on the ground and admit that you were totally wrong. See, see how you embrace it, throw yourself on the ground and meet anytime. (laughs) Just see how you said that. Like no, there's, I, I'm, I'm saying like, you, there's what, no what is, you're, the underlying what assumption. Of what you're saying is there's no, there's no what legitimacy to a black man making an accusation about a I, white run institution. Automatically, all throw yourself on the ground. I am, I am not saying that. I am saying that we don't know what happened in this particular case. And I'm saying, and I'm asking you, what do you right. want them to say? What do you want them to say? Like that they made some mistakes. Clearly, they made. No, mistakes. I want you them to. Say, I want to answer three. Before I can bring somebody back to the hideout, uh, my standards are getting a little higher than yours. Number one, abusive behavior is not tolerated. Number one, number, and that is just, you could then get specific, which includes yelling at people, spitting on people, throwing drinks at people, whatever. Abusive behavior is not tolerated. We're like the United Center. If you behave that way, you're gone. I like that fact that they do that at the United Center. I think that's acceptable. That should be acceptable behavior for the hideout. I don't agree with you that bars are rough places where spitting and abusive behavior should be tolerated. 
I, I did not say that. Ben, stop that. Stop it. Really. You're saying that I say that, that, that spinning. You keep coming out back to it. I did not say that. I really, I'm re- I really object to you trying to put those words in my mouth. That, I mean, we're kidding around here. Somebody that is bullshit. You're acting like I'm saying that this is okay. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying we don't know what happened here. I'm saying if, yeah, if someone spit on somebody, they should be out. They should be banned for life. I agree with you on that. I'm saying you don't know what happened here. And if, and if the, if you want the Tuttons or the owners of, of the hideout to agree to that stipulation, I'm sure they'd agree right now. I'm sure they would agree that if that happened and they didn't adequately kick somebody out, then that was a mistake. Maybe they weren't there. Maybe they didn't. I, whatever happened, I'll bet you they would agree to that today. The, first, the reason that, why, you Eric. Saying, you, keep saying, but you keep saying that I, I condone this, and I know you're kind of kidding, but I really want to be clear. I don't condone that. I don't think it's a good I, idea. I think it's no, shame. I, and I agree. And I agree that there's racism in Chicago. I totally agree with that. And I, but I'm not sure that this is exactly the venue or the fact pattern that you want to assert to order to, to, to make this point and that you have to make the Tuttons and their other co-owners pay the price for that. Is that, I mean, is that what you're saying? Because no, what I'm saying to you I, is what are I'm, you glad saying you fi- I'm, I'm glad you finally got angry and I'm glad you finally recognize the absurdity of where you began your point. Your point was you did a typical thing that people do when they're making an argument. They make an argument. You have to deal with something very real, this accusation. Then you got to get it off the stage because you want to deal with whatever you want to say. There's a very real accusation on the table. It has not been dealt with at all. And so if you just want to have a discussion about journalistic ethics or whether there's a mob at play, you push that aside. And I'm saying, in my opinion, Abusive behavior in a bar is unacceptable. And I am not bringing people to that bar unless the owners of the bar address that as a specific issue. That was the point I made at the outset. They have not addressed it. They have not addressed it. Your defense for them not addressing it is they've been lawyered up. That's not good enough for me. I, I don't that's know. It's very specific. Okay. Well, that's. <laughs> That has been your defense of them not why? addressing it. Okay, well, why is it? Why is it Mikel uh, answering any questions from the press? He said he's not going to talk to the media anymore. He's not going to talk to the media at all. He never has. Why isn't he answering? I don't know, when and I don't care. When I'll be you honest with care. you. You don't care. That's no, I don't said. care because ben I have. He doesn't care about the facts. Can we, uh, can we have Dennis's low voice coming <laughs> in with that? Feel, uh, you, uh, no, I have no I'm problem with you saying that. I have really no problem with you. An allegation. I they don't that. respond to an allegation. Uh, one one it's allegation. A very serious allegation. If someone spit on somebody, did they get? Did he get kicked out of the bar, Ben? Do you know? Do I don't get, know. You they, don't know. The hideout didn't respond. But McCall didn't say he didn't get kicked out of the bar. The hideout did not respond. Neither does McCall. McCall does not respond to requests for interviews. McCall well, does not run the club. The hideout don't runs you the club. Know? I'm don't not you want to know what happened? I'm, don't you want to know I'm not asking. you decide to close them down? And not go there. Don't you want to know what happened? It's like, it was a, a very vague accusation. And yes, if the roles respond. reversed, if the roles reversed, I would be sobbing like Eric because he keeps saying I closed them down. But see, I get I'm not sobbing. I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling sorry for myself because Eric. And you're a little. journalist. You sh- your standards of for truth and fact and what actually happened should have been higher. Let's just I, lay no, that out. You no. you are you you're a talk show host at this bar, but you are a journalist. You're a columnist in town. You. You are someone who's who I believe believes in fairness, and I don't think you're being fair. I just completely disagree with you. In that position, I am a host bringing people into what is metaphorically my home. 
that's what I am, Eric. Has there ever I, been an incident while you were there ever in, in all in the eight years you were there? Was anybody ever abused? Was there anybody ever a problem? No. Right. Other than my own personal dealings with Tim, which have nothing to do with anything. No, that never been a problem. As I recall in eight years, I'm thinking back about it. Uh, if there was ever an abusive uh, guest, I may have forgotten it. It wasn't, certainly it wasn't enough uh, for me to remember. Um, I took very seriously that uh, allegation. I thought the response was wholly inadequate and I did not want to bring people into my house essentially. I wasn't viewing it as a journalist writing a story. I was viewing it as a host. It's different. When you do your show at the Old Town School of Folk Music, you are not a journalist. You are an entertainer inviting people to come to the Old Town School of Folk Music. If you can't guarantee that they're going to be safe, if you think there's been an inadequate response to an allegation of something bad that happened there, then you are wholly within your right, in my humble opinion, not to do your show there. If you can't feel in your heart of hearts that this is a good place to bring people, then you shouldn't bring them there. And that's if I heard if I heard an allegation like that at the Old Town School, where we were having our Songs of Good Cheer Christmas show this year uh, from the, uh, was it uh, December 9th through 11th? Uh, people should should come and sing along with me and Mary Schmeek and everybody who uh, in our stellar cast. If I heard an allegation of something happening there, I'd look into it. <laughs> I would ask around. I would talk to the people who I thought were responsible. What happened here? Did this really happen? What was what was the response? I wouldn't listen to one person, and that doesn't diminish my respect for for Mikkel. He he wrote what he wrote, and he's not going to talk to anybody about it anymore. I don't know. I don't know the guy. I've never met him. Uh, and and uh, so so uh, what I'm saying is that that a little bit of due diligence is part of fairness, and that's where I think you fell down here. Ben. All right. Well, uh, as I let's always let's talk do about my Michael job, Moore. Uh, no, time out. I'll close it this way. As okay, I always get, do on my show, I la- I allow my guests to get the last word, and I'm not. I don't feel too bad in this case about allowing him to have the last word because for the last half hour we've just been repeating everything we've said for the first half hour. Uh, so, all right, we'll close with Michael Moore, and uh, which will be a uh, what is the word? A safer topic for us to discuss. Uh, Michael Moore, the leftist filmmaker, has been uh, making a series of predictions over the last month or so, and I think he's done about thirty-five uh, newsletter. Uh, Eric, uh, where he is just confidently, boldly predicting uh, that uh, the Democrats will be triumphant today. Today is election day. We spent the entire election day show talking about the hideout. Uh, and um, so he's been boldly predicting uh, in the face of every expert and pundit in the country who is saying the exact opposite, that uh, it will be a red wave and that uh, MAGA will seize control of Congress and the Senate. A lot of people are predicting and the Senate, as well as win uh, some governor's races throughout the state. So Michael Moore is uh, on one side and everybody else is on the other side. Uh, Eric, I I sent you, uh, I alerted you to this, and you, I think you read uh, at least one or two of Michael Moore's posts. Uh, do you think there's a possibility that Michael Moore is right and everybody else is wrong? Well, I, you know, was it uh, in, in 2016, I thought there was no possibility that Michael Moore was right when he was predicting that Donald Trump was going to win the presidency, and of course, he sadly did. And so I, I think it would be foolish to say that I don't think Michael Moore is right. 
but I, you know, these polls are dodgy and you never know. And I've been reading at Michael Moore's stuff as it's gone along. And I caught up on some of them today. They're the Mike's midterm tsunami truth. He's got 38 of them. And, uh, you know, just Google Michael Moore and you can, can read them. And they're, you know, he, he just feels like there is a, a simmering anger out there among people who are moderates and, and Democrats and, and, uh, that they are going to turn out in huge numbers and that these polls are not reflecting that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really pretty to think so. I really hope it's true. Obviously, as, as much as you hope it's true, uh, I, you know, we'll, I'll be watching tonight. I'll be watching some of these early returns coming in from, uh, from the Eastern time zone, from, from New York state, the governor's race there from Pennsylvania, the Senate race there, Georgia, the Senate race, the Ohio Senate race. Those are going to tell us, uh, what's going on. There's a Virginia congressional race with Spanberger that, that, uh, it's going to come in pretty early and we'll know whether if, if she wins re-election, maybe the Democrats are going to have a good night. It's, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. What do you think? You think, you think he's got any chance that Michael Moore's got any chance of being right here? Well, the part that, uh, the, the point that he made, I think I alluded to this to you before we went on the air, uh, that I find most intriguing. Uh, and if it's accurate, then yes, he will be correct. Or at least partly correct. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, because uh, you asked me a very specific question. Could it possibly be true that he is the one man who's right in America and everybody else is wrong? Uh, and so in 2016, as you alluded to with Donald Trump, uh, it's clear that the polls did not do an accurate dro- job in key swing states of depicting the support that Trump had. And that's how they missed Michigan, let's say, and Wisconsin, et cetera. Uh, and so they were off in these key swing states because, of course, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Let's not forget that. Uh, so the issue has to do with this. The way a Democratic uh, consultants and strategists uh, try to fire up their base uh, to a certain degree by um, feeding their anxieties that they're about to lose. And so the strategy that Democrats are following is that they just put out bad news, bad news, bad news. We're losing democracy as we know it is at stake. Send money, send money. That's the strategy they're following. Conversely, I mean, at the same time, the, the, the Republicans uh, are sending out phony propaganda polls. And we see that happen here in Illinois. Uh, Eric, where all polls show up that Darren Bailey's within the margin of error against, uh, I've seen these polls that come out and then you look a little deeper and it's a Republican poll. And it's like, oh, that's pure propaganda. So it's a twofold argument that uh, Michael Moore is making. One, the Democrats are feeding this sense of anxiety because it's good for fundraising. It's the strategy uh, that they've decided to follow and uh, they're undercutting their own, they're undercounting their own support uh, just because they want to, fire up their base and two Republicans are putting out pure propaganda and that is spoiling uh, the whole science of polling. It's skewing the results. If the Dems prevail, I think he will be right on both those points. Do you follow what I just said? I do. And I, and I, I mean, I certainly hope you're right about that. Um, And it it really, it it does. I mean, I know this is a totally political cliche, but it's going to depend on the turnout. It depends on who is truly energized to vote. And I saw some polling just the other day that said that democratic enthusiasm is now at least as high as Republican enthusiasm in the polls for voting. Whereas the Republican enthusiasm has dropped six to eight points and and democratic enthusiasm has moved up 
so that maybe it's going to depend on whether people are energized. I really do think that democracy is at stake here when you've got 300 Republican candidates around the country who are election deniers. And as Bill Maher pointed out the other night, you know, election denial is really the first step toward authoritarianism. When you have people who, once they get power, they're not going to let it go. And then and the, the guy who was running for governor in Wisconsin said, you know, there's never going to be another uh, Democrat elected statewide in Wisconsin if I'm elected. But what does that mean? I think that tells us that they are going to screw around with our democracy uh, and, and uh, it's in peril and it, it is on the ballot. And I really I really believe that. And I and I hope that the voters are are angry and aware of that and, and not to be so concerned with gas prices because. The Republicans don't have a plan to deal with inflation. They just complain about it. They really don't have a plan to deal with crime. They complain about it. They don't have a plan to deal with with immigration except build a big wall. Uh, You know, it's like the Republicans are on the outside complaining about things that have been chronic problems in this country for a long time or or cyclical problems, that they don't have solutions. And and that's what you notice in, in Darren Bailey's campaign and all the Republican campaigns is that is that they complain all the time, but the economy does better under Democrats. The deficits go down under Democrats. That that it's it's it's, it's why I never vote Republican. It's why I, I can't any more conceive of voting Republican because the party has been taken over by crazy people who make false promises. Can you remember the last time you voted Republican? I do. I think it was uh, was it O'Grady for sheriff? Like when was oh. that? Uh, that that would have been in 1986. James O'Grady was running against Richard Elrod for Elrod, sheriff. And Elrod struck me as just really gross. And I voted for O'Grady. And O'Grady was worse. <laughs> so, uh, I'm proud so to say, I'm proud to say, voted for Elrod. You ever, you ever vote for? Uh, you ever, this is like two confessions time. Yeah, I know. I've made this confession many times. Um, the last uh, Republican I voted for was Bernard Carey in 1980 when he was running for Cook County State's attorney against Richard M. Daly. And uh, I had uh, literally uh, just rolled into uh, town, lived in Evanston in those days, uh, and I voted on election day. I uh, got there just in time to vote. Uh, I voted for Bernard Carey, and I believe I, I... I've never, never was, um, oh my God, I was under so much pressure. My mom really wanted me to vote for George Ryan. May you rest in peace, mom. I just, I, I'm a little embarrassed. I voted for Glenn Pichard. Uh, it's just, I don't know, the Democrat. Pichard was a tough vote. You know, it was a t- also a tough vote was voting for Blagojevich over Judy Bartopinka. Um, and I would have voted for Judy, except remember who her running mate was? I cannot recall. God, Joe, Bur- Joe Burkett. Oh yeah, yeah, Joel. Well, you had to in DuPage County. I yeah, could, I could. The former state's attorney in DuPage yeah. County. Uh, I could not vote for any candidate who had Joe Burkett as a running mate. I like Judy. You probably dealt with Judy. She was a. She was about as moderate uh, as, as Republicans get. And uh, I would have voted for her over Blagojevich because I really didn't care for Blagojevich. Um, and yet. I did vote for Blagojevich. And now we're in, and now we're in true confession time. Yeah. Uh, so the year is 2006. I want to say the gubernatorial election of 2006, uh, Rob Blagojevich was running for reelection. And uh, yes, the uh, uh, Judy Barb Topinka was the Republican candidate. I voted for the green party candidate. His name was rich, rich Whitney, right? Rich Whitney. And uh, I'm very proud of that vote. Uh, I just could not vote for a Republican. And so we spent the first hour arguing 
Okay. I'm going to close by giving Eric a shout out. All right. And we didn't even get to your Darren Bailey anti-Semitism article because you spent so much time on the hideout. I was, I legitimately was going to give you grief for that thing. You can have uh, me back, Ben. I, I, and my schedule's kind of wide open. I'm semi-retired now. So, you know, you would come back after I would uh, come our, back. Okay. Uh, but this was, uh, no. I, you know, I gotta say, I, Ben, this was, this was fun. I mean, you know, that, you know, we've known each other for a long time and, and, uh, uh, I enjoyed this a lot. I mean, it didn't sound like it at times, but I did. It was a, a robust argument. We don't see eye to eye and everything. We'll leave it at that. Uh, I, um, no, Eric uh, led the charge uh, against uh, so much corruption in the DuPage County uh, criminal justice uh, <laughs> system, to put it mildly. Uh, and uh, yeah, so good. shout out to him for years and years and years. Folks, uh, uh, God, on death row, Eric, on death row. Uh, because yeah. prosecutors wouldn't just could not admit that they were wrong uh, and talk about high stakes. So uh, I right, will close it with that. We didn't even get to Justin Fields, another t- subject for another time. Uh, I'm really dying to talk about the bears. Great quarterback. We'll do that another time. Eric Zorn, thank you very much for coming on the show and putting up with me. Thanks, man. It's been fun. All right. That's the great Eric Zorn. I'm Ben Jarofsky. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And as Eric Zorn will tell you, Back home and home, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for DeMarvelous. Give yourself a raise, take it up, petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. Mm-hmm.